You can open up in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 7. I may have shared some of these things with you before, but since it's Father's Day, this is from the men's thesaurus. As you all know, men's don't, men don't always say what they exactly mean. So here's some things. Uh, when, a guy, when a man says, it's a guy thing. Ever heard that one? He means there is no rational thought pattern connected with this and you have no chance at all of making it logical. When a man says, uh-huh, sure, honey, or yes, dear, he means absolutely nothing. It's a conditional response. When a man says it would take too long to explain, he means I have no idea how it works. When a man says, take a break, honey, you are working too hard, he means I can't hear the game over the vacuum cleaner. When a man says, you know how bad my memory is, he means I can hum every bar of the intro to Star Trek original and the next generation. The address of the first girl I ever kissed and the vehicle information numbers of every car I've ever owned, but I forgot your birthday. <laughs> when a man says, I don't fuss, I just cut myself, it's no big deal. He means I've actually severed a, th- a limb, but I will bleed to death before I admit that I am hurt. <laughs> when a man says, I can't find it, he means it didn't fall into my outstretched hand, so I, I am completely clueless. When a man says, I am lost, I, I am not lost, I know exactly where we are, he means no one will ever see us alive again. <laughs> well, that's just an honor of Father's Day for some of us guys out there. We can enjoy some of those things. Exodus chapter 6, we're going to actually be mostly in 7 and 8. We're going to start just at the end of chapter 6 and verse 28. Last week, we went over some identifying characteristics of people that are stubborn or people that are steady in the things of God. First off, we looked at our relationship to authority. We took this out, of course, the uh, preceding chapters of Exodus as Moses was dealing with Pharaoh because Pharaoh is our poster child of hard-heartedness. When we think of someone who is stubborn, someone who is hard-hearted, Pharaoh is the one who comes to mind. And we saw that his relationship to authority was a problem. Who is God that I should serve him? Who is God that I should obey him? Our generosity was supplied. The things that Pharaoh had, he didn't want to give up. Our focus during turmoil and our motivation in boldness. That our motivation in boldness will tell us which side of the fence we are on. If our motivation is selfishly motivated, things that we're going to get, then we can pretty much determine we are stubborn. We need to be motivated by love, by the love of God and the love of other people and be bold in that. But we're going to pick up here in Exodus chapter 6, verse 28. We see that Pharaoh is hard-hearted. He is stubborn. But why is he so hard-hearted? In verse 28 of chapter 6, And it came to pass on the day that the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I have uncircumcised lips, how shall Pharaoh heed me? So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron, your brother, shall speak to Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people and the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt 
by great judgments. Just to stop here for a minute, how many folks have somebody in your life who is so stubborn, so hard-hearted that they are afflicting you in a negative way? A lot of times we look at that as us being afflicted. God is looking at it here as, I'm going to use this as an opportunity. Do you know that God can use the most stubborn person in your life who is out to hurt you as an opportunity for God? He did it right here for, for the children of Israel. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Then Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded them. So they did. And Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. So Aaron is the older brother. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when Pharaoh speaks to you saying, show a miracle for yourselves. Then you shall say to Aaron, take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it be a serpent. The Egyptians were very much into signs and miraculous things. They had people that would just pretty much do those miraculous things in the name of a God. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and they did just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh, before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers to the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantments. And every man threw down his rod and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, as the Lord had said. So he saw the things that he did, but he was not moved by that. He was hardened. The Word of God says that Pharaoh's heart was hard, and it also said that the Lord would harden his heart, and it also said that Pharaoh hardened his heart. But it did say that, that Pharaoh will not heed you because of what? Got a hard heart. He's not going to be open to certain things. And he will not heed you. We're going to learn some lessons here in our own lives, not just uh, about Pharaoh, but things that we need to do so that we don't become like Pharaoh in any kind of degree. So there were signs that were done before Pharaoh. There were two signs that they did before Pharaoh. There were a total of 10 plagues in all. There were 12 demonstrations done before Pharaoh. The plagues are in groups of threes. There are three sets of threes on the plagues. Two of each, of each set of three. Two are announced. The first two are always announced. The third one in the set is not. So the first plague is announced. The second plague is announced. The third plague is not announced. It just happens. The fourth plague is announced, the fifth plague is announced, the sixth plague is not announced. And that goes on through six, seven, eight, nine, all the way out up to, for the first nine. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard. So why did it grow hard? He was being asked to give up something. The Lord came to him and said, give up the children of Israel. They're my kids. They're my people. They're my nation. Give them up. Let them go. And Pharaoh says, no, nope, don't want to do it. So he was asked to give up something and he did not see the need to. Most people become stubborn, become hard with the things that they have because they don't see the need to give it up. How many times have we been in the Word of God? Maybe in the past, you know, you've studied the Word of God and the Word of God all of a sudden showed you, you need to give this thing up. You need to stop doing this. And we determine, I don't know if I have a need to do that or not. I don't know if I really should have to do that. I mean, we could pick on some topics in there, but, you know, maybe the Word of God comes across a certain sin and says certain things that, well, I don't, I don't know if I really need to get, that's probably old covenant, you know, I'm in a new covenant now and stuff like that, you know, and things in the area of money. Well, I don't know if that's so much for me today. So he did, Pharaoh did not see the need of it. 
and his his he decided that his opinion was right. You've never been in that boat, have you? You've never been in a place where you decided that your opinion was right over God's? <laughs> no, certainly not. But this is where Pharaoh is. He has heard what the Lord had to say. He saw the signs and he said, ah, I don't want to give that up. And I've decided that I'm right. Now, I put this in your outline because I want to make sure you get this. It is a longer one. But when an authority asks or requires something of us that is not against the word and we refuse based on selfish motivations, we become stubborn and harden ourselves to that authority. I'll say this again. When an authority asks or requires something of us that is not against the word and we refuse based on selfish motivations, based on what I will receive, based on what I will get. We become stubborn and harden ourselves to that authority. Just because an authority is in place does not mean that we as Christians are always to obey it. There are authorities, there are things that come about that go against what the Word of God says. Now also understand this. Authority is authority because it is under something. When you see an authority begin to operate out from their authority, then they are going rogue. If you were in the army and a commanding officer commanded you to do something that you knew were directly against the orders of his authority, what would you do? If the commander is court-martialed and you're brought in on it and, you, and they ask you, did you know this was against? Yes, I did. But you did it anyway? In the army, in the air force, in the military, they have ranks. And a general's command outranks those on the others. Certain, uh, uh, certain uh, places where they let, let that go. But generally, the commander has authority because his commander has given him that authority and placed him in that position. And we need to under, understand these things. Moses is not required to obey Pharaoh. Pharaoh has no authority over Moses. Moses is coming in and he's asking some things of it. Now, we've got some things going on in this country, in, in this nation. I don't know if you all are aware of this, but the, uh, and, and our Congress is not acting on this. But just as a, as a case in point, our president this week decided to make a law on his own. Did you hear about this announcement of what he's going to do with people that are not uh, citizens? That if uh, people catch someone who is an illegal citizen, illegal alien, as they call it, they are to catch them, release them, and give them work papers. No one heard that? Yes. Okay, so he did. Now, this is because they couldn't get it by the Congress. Now, what is odd is our own president, by his own words, condemned himself. Because early on in his presidency, when they were getting on him for not doing something for the illegal aliens, he said, I cannot arbitrarily write a law. That was out of his own mouth. And then a few years later, he did. That is authority acting outside of authority. Well, he is the authority in the land, but he is not. Our country is not set up with a king. Our country is set up with a president 
who functions under the Constitution. It is the Constitution that gives the authority, and it is a balance of power. It's not the first time that our president has stepped outside of the balance of power. He has usurped congressional power. He has usurped court power, and he's ignored both. That's wrong, and God will deal with him. I don't mind saying that to you because that's what the Word of God says. When we are under authority, we are required to obey the authority that we are under. Doesn't mean we don't, we just disrespect the president because of the things that he does. Don't let your words go out there and be disrespectful in your words toward him, though you might be angry with some of the things he might be doing. He has stepped outside of his authority. You can pinpoint it, but you still need to speak in words with respect to the position for which he has. Moses is not under Pharaoh's authority. Moses is under the authority of God and must speak the words of God. Last week we were looking at this and Moses was stepping into an area where Pharaoh's words were affecting him. It's the last time he did it. And now he's not. Now Pharaoh's words are not affecting him. Pharaoh has authority in the land of Egypt. But ultimately, all authorities answer to God, whether they respect God or whether they don't. Ultimately, they will answer to God. So ultimately, Pharaoh answers to God. And if he oversteps the laws that are enacted, the laws that give him power, ultimately, he answers to God. Just because they're an authority doesn't mean everything they do is right. And certainly we know that about Pharaoh. But what Pharaoh is doing here right now is because of selfish motivations, because of what he wants, he has decided to become stubborn and harden himself against the authority of God. And you will see that with members of Congress, with presidents, with governors, with mayors, with whoever it is in this, this country, when they disrespect the things that give them authority, they become stubborn, hard, and selfish. They become selfishly motivated. They become more and more selfishly motivated. You look at the people that have done this. They become more and more selfishly motivated. We need to make sure we guard against this. Do not follow their pattern. Don't follow the pattern of Pharaoh. Follow the pattern of Moses. When we refuse based on selfish motivations, we become stubborn and harden ourselves to that authority. When the Word of God pinpoints you need to have this attitude, you need to not speak evil in this way, you need to not speak in this kind of a... And we do it, what are we doing? I am disregarding my authority, and when I disregard my authority, I become what to it? Hardened. When the Word of God comes to me and says... Don't gossip. When the Word of God comes to me and says, call sin, sin. When the Word of God says, share that light in this area of darkness, and I refuse, what am I doing? I am not submitting to my authority. When I don't submit to my authority, I am becoming hardened to it. So when the Word of God wants to come to us to speak faith to us, when we need faith, what do we do? I'm hardened to it. I don't get the same thing. When the Word of God comes and speaks wisdom to us for a situation we need wisdom on, what happens? 
I have become hardened to that authority because of what I said before, because of what I've rejected before, because of what I've done before. You can't keep doing this. When God speaks to you about an area in your life and you refuse to obey, listen, or yield, you are becoming hardened to the voice of God in all areas of your life. You are cutting off your life source and wondering why you're having a hard time. We look at Pharaoh and just in his statements that, that is here, we can see two identifiers at work. First of all, authority. He is not submitted to the authority and supply. This is supply that I have and I'm not giving it up. These are my slaves. These are my people and I'm going to keep them. That's not how God wants us to do. How many of y'all know we can get that way with our money? We can get that way with our stuff. We can get that way with some of our beliefs. And if someone wants to come along and pinpoint that belief is wrong, what do we do? See, you can go up to some Christians and you can say, by the word of God, by the word of God, and by the power of the word, take them through 10, 12 scriptures and say this and this and this and this and this and this. And they say, "Uh uh-uh. I'm going to hang on to what my religion is. I'm going to hang on to what I want to believe. There's, there's a certain phraseology I have made sure to keep out of my vocabulary. I hope that you have as well. But you can think of some other Christians and they have said things like this. How many have ever heard this said by a Christian? Well, I don't think that God would. Well, I don't really believe that God would. You will not hear those things in my vocabulary. You know why? Because I don't care what it is that I think or believe. What does the word of God has to say? My beliefs have to be made on the principles, on the foundations of the word of God. And if I allow anything else to creep in, I have become hard to my authority, which is God, which means when he speaks to me through his word, I don't receive it. I have just... Shut myself down from it. I don't, I don't, I don't take that as well. Uh, here's, a, here's an example. Try and use, and use it. How many have ever worked with things like glues? It's like different types of adhesive, different types of things. So, you know, we've, I get to work with all different kinds of them. Epoxies, wood glues, um, crazy glues, you know, instant bond type stuff and things like that. But, you know, epoxies are, are really unique. Some epoxies kind of run. Some are kind of pasty. Some you kind of work with a little bit. And you have some, some fun with it. But what happens when you mix an epoxy and you put both parts together, you have what's called a workability time. Until that glue does what? Hardens. Up until the time that the adhesive hardens, what will it do? adhere to almost anything, especially epoxies. Epoxies are some of the best glues that you can get. If you really want a good glue, that's the one that you go to. They're not as fun to work with. They smell. They're sticky. They can be messy. But if you want a good glue, that's the one to go to. But it's sticky. And while it's sticky, it will adhere to anything. When the glue becomes hard, what will it stick to? Nothing. When we become hard to the things of the word, the word doesn't stick in us. As long as we stay pliable and soft, when the word of God comes to us, we receive it. 
and it becomes adhesive. We, we stick to that thing. That's what we need to do. He is hardening himself. Verse 14. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. What is Pharaoh's heart's condition right now? The Lord has declared it. Pharaoh's heart is hard. He's not saying it will be. He's saying it is. It is hard. He refuses, present tense, to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out to the water and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him and the rod which is turned to a serpent you shall take in your hand. He's going down to the river probably to worship the Nile or to bathe, one or the other. And you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you saying, let my people go that, may, that uh, they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now you would not hear. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that are in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink the water of the river. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams, over the rivers, over their ponds, and over their pools of water that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river. In the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of all his servants, and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that were in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river. So there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt, and the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, as the Lord had said, and Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this thing. So all the Egyptians dug all around the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. It seems that this affected any water that was pulled from the river. You went down with a bucket and you got some water and you had that bucket. When this happened, that bucket, the, blood, the water in that bucket turned to blood. But it seemed that if you dug down into a well, you could get some water to drink God apparently wanted them to still be alive, <laughs> but it's going to be tough. So they all had to be digging these wells in order to be able to have the water that they needed. But all the rest of the water turned to blood. But because his own magicians could do the same thing, he was not, wasn't moved. Now, I don't know what actually happened, but I'm picturing this. The, the magicians did it over a bucket or two, and Moses did it over the whole land. <laughs> I think there's a difference there. But you see, when you are hard, you don't see it. The first plague, so was the, was the water to blood. And it says here that Pharaoh's heart did what? Grew hard. I thought his heart was hard. Didn't he say early on? Pharaoh's heart is hard. Pharaoh's heart is hard. But in verse 22, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard. He already was hard. But even when you're hard to God, you can get harder. And it says that he grew hard. How did he grow hard? By not giving up the stuff, not having that generous spirit coming on him, and by not yielding to authority. We're seeing these two identifiers. He is continuing to do this to maintain that hardness. Keep that going. So there's a growth process of being hard. You know, there's also a growth process of being soft. You're not just soft to the things of God. 
you can become softer. There's a growth process. If you do the things opposite of what you're about to do to become hard, you can become soft. So if I yield to the authority given by God, and if I am generous with the stuff, what am I doing? Making myself softer, which means when God speaks to me, I receive it. And if God is speaking things to me, it's because I need it. If I receive what I need, I become supplied for what's ahead. If I refuse it, I'm not supplied. God says, I tried to send it to you. You were hard to it. You didn't receive it. Now, what causes this growing hard? We we already talked about four identifiers, but we're going to look at one underlying cause. There is one underlying cause that causes Pharaoh to grow hard, that causes us to grow hard. There is one underlying cause. There are four identifying factors that we covered so far. There is one identifying or underlying cause. You know what it is? I'm right. I'm right. When I say this, I'm right, I'm saying I am my own authority. I'm rejecting all other authority. I am my own authority. My stuff is all mine. My selfishness motivates my boldness. And I have no beneficial focus in times of turmoil. So you look at those identifiers and they just flip around. But here's the cause of it. I'm right. Now, remember we were talking about this last week? I was telling you, we just used the example of end times. In end times, you know, I was raised up that uh, for a pre-tribulation rapture. And as I grew up and began to study it myself, I saw that some scriptures seemed to be identifying a pre-tribulation rapture and some scriptures seemed to identify a post-tribulation rapture. And so I decided to fall on the side of the post-tribulation rapture and left the side of the pre-tribulation rapture. And I went to a Baptist college and disturbed many a person. Because I knew their arguments and I unseated them in their arguments. But I felt that I was right. right. Went on down to, went through their, their eschatology classes and they didn't persuade me at all. Went down to Rhema, listened to their eschatology classes, didn't persuade me at all. I'd always hear Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin would always come out and say, I've studied end times for 50 years and I'm more convinced than ever that Jesus is coming before the tribulation. Now, I had a couple of ways to react to that. One, well, you're wrong. (laughs) I'm right. You're wrong. And I could do that, but that would make me what? Hard to the things that God wants to say. And so I I tried to make sure that my reaction wasn't of such. I said, well, I sure wish you would take the guy who's teaching the class and replace him. (laughs) That's what I would say. I sure wish you would replace him because what he's teaching doesn't hold water. I said, take out what, you, what you've seen in this and, and let's hear that. But he never did. And he never taught on it. Never heard him teach on it at all. It wasn't until Pastor Bob Yanyan came out. And Pastor Bob Yanyan was the first one I ever heard who had the same questions about a pre-tribulation rapture that I did. And he brought them out. And he also showed where the Word of God was consistent. You see, if you ever look at the Word of God and you see it teaching one side and another, understand this, your revelation is not complete. Because the Word of God does not teach on both sides. And when he got finished, I just I received those things he taught and I left what I thought was correct and I became right. <laughs> but all, all those times, each time I thought I was right. 
But I had to maintain an attitude that said I can be taught. I could be wrong. Because I'm seeing two different things in here. I'm thinking that this one is, has more credibility. But then when he finally got done teaching, I saw, oh, there's absolutely no teaching at all for a post-tribulation. And there is. There's absolutely no teaching. This is from a guy who could go to a Baptist college and destroy every person in there who thought otherwise. <laughs> See, when I said I was right, it's because I submitted to the things of God. I've received his revelation on it. But what I do know about end times is there's a whole lot I don't know. As much as I've studied it, as much as I've looked at the scriptures, as much as I've studied the books that are involved, I know there's a whole lot I don't know. Which means I need to receive from the authority, which is God. So I have to always make sure that I am soft and pliable and ready to receive what it is that God wants to say. If I hang on to a thing that I am right, and I am selfishly motivated, then we're not going to help us out. We're not going to help ourselves out. I cannot be my own authority. That's why I brought up that one about the president here today. The president right now is acting as his own authority, and no one is over him. And that is not true. That is the beginning of a downfall. I've seen it before this, but this is just recent. So I just use that as, a, as an example. The president in this country is not his own authority. We did not elect a king. We elected a president. When we act as our own authority, it is a downfall. And we cannot, I don't care, Democrat or Republican or Independent or any other political party that they want to be a part of. You cannot act apart from authority. It is not something that you can do. I cannot act on my own authority. I have to act on the authority of God. If I ever act on my own authority, if I ever believe something of my own authority, I am wrong. Even if what I believe is right. I may believe perfectly right, but I've acted on my own authority and I am wrong. I have to be submitted to the authority of God. It's imperative that we do that. Put in your outline this title, being right without being wrong. The idea is that we become, that we are right without being wrong. We can either grow hard or we can grow soft. I can become sensitive to the things of God or I can become hard to the things of God. Exodus chapter 8. And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Now look at what he says. Let my people go. Whose people are they? God's. Who does Pharaoh see they are? There's a conflict there, isn't it? He's not under. Does, he will not yield himself to the authority of God. No, they are mine. God says, you let my people go. That they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly. How many of you like frogs? We like frogs. We have a pond of frogs. We like going over there and watching the frogs. But I don't know if I would like this many. So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, into the houses of your servants, on your people, and on your ovens, and your kneading bowls. I like the frogs when they're out by the pond. <laughs> the only thing my wife and I have asked for at times is an off switch. Because it doesn't seem like frogs ever sleep. They are constantly making noise. 
And then, you know, our neighbors, they have a pond. And they frogs in their pond talk to the frogs in our pond. <laughs> and they go back and forth. And they're just making all kinds of racket. And, you know, for a little while, it's kind of sweet. It's kind of nice. But there are times you just, you know, frogs, where's the off button? <laughs> but there is no off button for a frog. I don't know if they are nocturnal or they Because we see them in the day, but we hear them at night. So I, they just seem to be all the time. But they're going to be in your ovens and your kneading bowls and the frogs shall come up you and your people and on all your servants. And the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers and over the ponds and cause frogs to come up from the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs in the land of Egypt. So we didn't have enough frogs, let's get some more. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me, from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Now you know if he asked his magicians to bring up frogs, he also asked them to make them go away. And it didn't happen. Otherwise, he's not calling for Moses. He'd rather do it with his own stuff. But it's not working, so he has to call Moses. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying when I shall... Accept the honor of saying when I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people, to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. So he said, tomorrow, we've heard people preach on whole sermons on this, another night with the frogs. <laughs> if you're tired of the frogs, why not get rid of them now? He imagined Pharaoh's, well, at least one of Pharaoh's wives, who was uh, you know, over in the room with him that night, why didn't you say now? <laughs> why did you say Tomorrow. Let it be according to your word. You may know that there is no one like the Lord your, our God. Then the frogs shall depart from you and from your houses and from your servants and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh. And Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs, which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps and the lang stank. And when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart did not heed them as the Lord had said. Now this word for frogs, it is the uh, Hebrew word, and it's spelled H-E-K-A, Hika, however, however Hebrew, I don't know how they pronounce the, the Hebrew ones, but it, it means uh, they actually have a, uh, a goddess this, a frog-headed goddess. They worship these frogs so much, they have a frog-headed goddess. And they would... Um, when you saw so many of these frogs, it would put a strain on the thing that you worship because the thing that you worshiped is now in your kneading bowls, in your ovens, in your bed, on your body, in your house, outside, all over the place. The thing that you worship is all over because you worship it. You can't just kill it because you worship it. It's a symbol of creative power. This particular type of frog, was it crawled and constantly croaked. Our frogs do not constantly croak. They just croak a lot. These ones constantly croaked. They resembled, from what I'm told, a toad. These things, when they have had swarms of them before, they had actually caused entire nations to leave their land from these frogs. Verse 16, So the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land, so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And it did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and it became lice on man and beast. And the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there was 
There were lice on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed them just as the Lord had said. Now, the word here for lice can mean gnats, fleas or mosquitoes. I think any of those things would be unpleasant. But uh, it means one of those types of things. The Egyptian word to the Hebrews is our word for mosquitoes. This is not an object of worship, but it was a thing that came against the thing they did worship, which was cleanliness. Now, they tried to get their own guys to produce these, and they couldn't produce them. And so they decided to, uh, this is the finger of God. You need to, to go and to ask, and Pharaoh hardened his heart again. Now, the first three, we finished the first three sets. Remember, the third of them is not announced. That one was not an announced plague. It just came. But they knew where it came from. And they tried to duplicate it. Number four, plague number four. This marks the beginning of when a distinction is made between the land of Israel and the land of Goshen. Up until now, it has not been. Which means the land of Goshen was experiencing all these fun things as well. Hopefully that made them get their heart right because their heart was not right before God. They were not submitted to God's authority. Verse 20, And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me, or else I, or else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on your land, on you, on your servants, on your people, and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, which my people dwell, and no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land, and I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. And the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses, and into all the land of Egypt. The, the land was corrupt because of the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not right to do so for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the egyptians to the lord our god if we sacrifice the abomination of the egyptians before their eyes they will will they not stone us in other words we're going to sacrifice some things and they consider them to be gods they'll be mad at us we need to go away we need to go away three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the lord our god as he will command us and pharaoh said i will let you go that you may sacrifice the lord your god in the wilderness only you will not go very far away intercede for me then moses said indeed i am going out from before you i will entreat the lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore, not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out with Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. The Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. No, not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. This is typical of a person who has a hard heart to the things of the authority, is that you give in to do what God said because things are bad. And as soon as the things don't become so bad anymore, you don't give in to it anymore. It's not a change of heart. Now, this is either flies. The Septuagint translates this word as a dog fly, or it could be a beetle. There is a beetle that is sacred to the uh, Egyptians. It's part of their sacrifice or their worship to the sun god, which is Ra. But the land was corrupt, the word of God says, or destroyed. And Pharaoh is very moved by this one. Then we come to the livestock. And the Lord's going to send a fever on the livestock. 
in verse uh, 7 in chapter 9, but the heart of Pharaoh became hard and he did not let the people go. I'll well, go back a little bit further. Then for whole verse 7. Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed not even one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. So livestock is dead in Egypt, not one from the land of Goshen. Now I want you to catch the wording on this. We have had so far that Pharaoh's heart is hard. We have had that he has hardened his heart. And we've had the wording that said that that uh, Pharaoh grew hard. Now look at this one. This is different. This is the only time this is used. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard. I thought it was hard. Didn't he say in the beginning, Pharaoh's heart is hard. Didn't it say that Pharaoh grew hard? Didn't it say that Pharaoh hardened his heart? So how is it that all of a sudden here, after this plague, we have that Pharaoh's heart became hard. When you become something, what do you do? You cease from being this to being this. How many of you have ever become mad? What happened when you became mad? You ceased being glad and became mad. How many of you ever become sad? You ceased from being glad and became sad. When you become something, you leave something behind, right? If you became rich, what does that mean? You ceased being poor. If you became strong, what does that mean? I ceased being weak. So if he became hard, what does this mean? He was hard. So what does it mean that he became hard? Folks, what we're looking at here is that at this particular spot, he enters into an entirely new level of hard. He ceased being hard as he was before and became a whole new class of hard, which is why he is our poster child for people who are hard. He ceased being hard where you would harden your heart, where you would grow hard, and he became a whole new class of hard. He became something that, as far as we know in the Word of God, had never been before. He became hard. Now, it's important that we catch into this phrasing because it's going to change from here. Later on in chapter 9, we're going to run into the boils. Boils come out. And again, they're going to be on the people of Egypt, not on the people in Goshen. Verse 12 of chapter 9. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he did not heed them just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. What does that mean? The Lord hardened his heart. Well, he stopped being the kind of hard that you could just continue to grow and harden your heart. And he became something all new. And the word of God tells us that God pulled all the stops out. He says, fine, I have been working on you to try and get you soft. But because of the change that has gone on, I am no longer working on you. You can become as hard as you want. I am stopping all spiritual forces from working on you to become soft. And you can be as hard as you want. When he became hard, he changed something and God changed the way that he dealt with Pharaoh and where in which God was actually trying to work on Pharaoh 
that he would soften his heart. But he kept resisting it, kept resisting it, kept resisting it, kept resisting it. It became hard, a whole new class of heart. And God says, that's it, I'm done. You can be as hard as you want. I and the Egyptians or the Israelites, when they write this, they saw God. If he does not stop something, then God caused it. And God is no longer stopping this. And he, God is just taking his hands off. And you can become as hard as you want. And I am not going to stop. So it says, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now the hail comes, 33 and 35. Verse 35, so the heart of Pharaoh was hard. I'll go back, let's read the whole thing. Verse 33, so Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of the Pharaoh was hard, neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. So all this thunder, all this hail, all this nastiness, he gets out there and he prays and he speaks to the thing and it all stops. And then Pharaoh says, no, I was going to do it, but now I'm not going to do it. And he reneges on it again. This was the first plague that brought death in the land of Egypt. Then we had the locusts that came. Now the hail had crushed a lot of their crops, but it didn't crush everything. But then the locusts came. And when the locusts came, verse 10, Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him. So not only is he involved, also the servants. Look at verse 7. Then Pharaoh's servants, after this thing with the locusts had come out, Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? The locusts came and they ate everything in the land that the hail did not destroy. Now they got nothing. And despite that, he's going to say, Nope, I'm going to hang on to these things. He is losing everything. He's losing livestock. He's losing all the food. He's losing the people. He's losing everything in the land because he wants to hang on to something that God said is mine. How many times Christians do this? God says, give this up. And they say, no, I'm going to hang on to it. They may lose everything else, but they're going to hang on to that. Verse 16, and Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. He called for them in haste. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. Now he seems to be acknowledging God. So he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord and the Lord turned a very strong west wind which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt. Boy, if you could get something like that to go on and take care of some pests, huh? Every single one of them gone. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the children go again. Still, he doesn't let it go. As soon as the thing goes away, now we're on the ninth plague. Ninth plague is unannounced. And darkness comes upon the land. And it was an eerie darkness. It, was a, it wasn't just dark. It was an eerie type of darkness. And it was all over the land. And it was daytime. It was nighttime. It was this darkness. And after a while, it just began to creep people out. And Pharaoh got creeped out. And he calls for them, even though this is not an announced plague. I know where it came from. I think that's why God left one of them unannounced, because he had, they had to acknowledge that first off, it came from God, even though it was not announced to come from God, and then asked for it to be removed. 
and he asked for it to be removed. Verse 27, But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. And then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take heed to yourselves and see my face no more. For the day that you see my face, you shall die. And Moses said, You have spoken well. I will never see your face again. Moses knows exactly what God said. He is open to the things of God. Pharaoh is close to them. And this is truly the last time they're going to see each other. This was unannounced. Moses called for the darkness to end. And then came the final one, the tenth plague. And God said, this is the one that's going to do it. The death of the firstborn. We're not going to get into all that. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. We said before, he is stuck on this thing that I am right. I am not going to yield to the authority of God and I am not going to give up what I have. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up but love edifies. This is exactly the mindset that we're talking about. Pharaoh is puffed up because of knowledge. He's not operating in love for the people. He's not operating in love for the land. He's operating of himself. This is a dangerous place for a leader to be. In being right, well, for us, I put this in here for us. How many of you all know that there are some things we can be right on? And sometimes you say, well, I'm right on that. And people look at you as being stubborn. But it isn't stubborn if you're right. Talked about that last week, right? If you are right and you stick with it, it's not stubborn because you're right. It's only when you're wrong and you think it's right. That's what stubborn is. So I put this in your outline for you. In being right, be correctable. In being right, be correctable. Here's the second part of that. There is more... We don't know, then we do know. You need to understand that in the area of knowledge, there is more that you and I do not know than we do know. There is more that we are not aware of than that we are. We look at this universe and how it functions and what we know of it is little. And how much of it that we know of it is wrong. We don't know because we think it might be right, but we're not real sure. But there's a whole lot we don't know. When you want to talk about being an authority on the subject, just keep in mind. God is the supreme authority. And how does your knowledge stack up to his? (laughs) I mean, I may know some things. God may have revealed some things to me. He may reveal some things to you. But what we know compared to what we don't know is huge. I may be real happy about some of the stuff that I know, but there's a whole mess of stuff that I don't know yet. And we've got to keep that in mind. But look at it. Let's apply this to us and how we're living. When I say, and I'm going before God, and I say to God, but God, I have done this. Why hasn't God done this? What am I doing? I am not acknowledging the authority of God. I am, not, I am acknowledging my knowledge over the knowledge of God. And I'm saying, why have you not lined up with this? That's a bad place to be, folks. You don't want to do that. You're getting into a place in the neighborhood with Pharaoh. This is doing some of those things that cause our heart to grow hard. And when God speaks revelation about our situation, what's it do? Bounces off because I can't hear it because I am right. When we become our own authority, 
people come into our lives to speak words to help us get out from what we're under. And what do we do? Reject it. Because I'm my own authority. I don't think God would do that. I don't really believe that God would do that. I don't believe that that's right. Well, where's your scripture for it? Well, I don't really have any. I just don't believe that God would do that. Drives you crazy sometimes, doesn't it? We can also do this for other people. When I say, why has that person... How many have ever seen somebody who is serving God or wants to serve God or wants to do something for God, yet we know a problem in their life? (laughs) Maybe one, maybe more than one. And we know, oh, but that person is dealing with this and that person is dealing with this and that person is... And how many of you know, know we can get a problem? Why is that person serving God when they are... What happens? What are we doing when we do that? I'm messing with authority. And I'm stepping in. The word Jesus teaches us directly on this. He says, don't take a log out of your, or a speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a log in yours. God does not call perfect people to serve him. There may be somebody out there teaching some things, and you may say, well, I know what their life is like. Well, God still uses them. How many of y'all know God is still using you? How many of you are serving God in some capacity? And you, don't raise your hand, inside hand. But how many of you are serving God in some capacity and yet you know, but I have this hang up in my life. But I got this going on in my life. But you're still serving God, aren't you? Glory to God. Keep serving God. Because God has not called us to be perfect in order to serve him. But as we serve him, we get rid of some of those imperfections. As we yield to his authority and God speaks to us and he says, Steve, get rid of this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll get rid of that. Pharaoh was hard. He grew hard and then he became hard. And then God let all the stops go. We don't want to get into that position. But you can. You can can get into a place where you reject all truth. But up until then, there's all kinds of stages. Don't reject the truth. We need to receive the truth of God. God is going to speak into your life. If you've got some situations, they've been hanging on, you haven't had victory in it, God wants to speak some things to you. But are you doing things to cause yourself to be hard? Are you doing things that are causing you to stubbornly stick to your way of doing it? Are you going to God and saying, but God, look what I have done. But God, I have done this. But God, I have... But look what so-and-so has done. They're doing all these nasty things. I'm not doing those nasty things. And yet they get the answer and I don't. If we make prayers like that, if we entertain those thoughts, we are causing ourselves to be hard. And we will grow harder. And yet we will think all the time that we are right. Pharaoh all this time thought he was right. Lost his crops lost his livestock, lost his firstborn, lost the respect of his people. He will eventually lose his army and his life. It will all fall apart for him because he was hard. Don't harden yourself to the things of God. I would rather die early and be soft and receptive to the things of God then live a long time and be hard. What is God speaking to you?
You need to be in a position to receive it. How many of you have ever prayed, God, I need wisdom on this situation? Then we need to be prepared to get it. Which means if God, as the authority in your life, speaks to you to give something up, what should you do? Give it up. Now, as God, what the Word of God has taught us this. Hopefully you can hang on here for a few minutes. You've got to get this part. The Word of God has taught us that God has put into the body of Christ certain gifts. For what purpose? To benefit people. To benefit the body. And those are apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets. These are gifts that are put into the body. And yet when they come into the body, how many times do we find fault with the gifts? How many times do we not receive the things that are said and we become the authority instead? And what am I doing? I am putting up a barrier between me and what God has put into the body of Christ to speak to me, to help me, and for me to receive. What is God put in your life that you are rejecting? Because it's those very things that could speak life to you if you change your attitude. If Pharaoh would have opened himself to the prophet, the man that God sent to him to listen, his land would have been spared and probably abundance would have been brought to it. Instead, Egypt was decimated, brought to ruin almost. Don't do the same. Don't harden yourselves to authority. We've got more to look at on this thing because we've got to maintain ourselves so that we are not stubbornly sticking to our ways that have led us down a wrong way and be steady in the things of God. There is a way for us to not be stubborn and stick to something that's wrong as if it was right and hold steady to those principles that we've been taught. And oh, we've got to find out. If we don't find out what that difference is, then too often we're being steady in the things of God and we can be shaken off of it. Or we're being stubborn and we can't be moved. And we can't get the answer that we want because we don't hear what God is saying. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. God desires to minister to us. If someone had got up, some preacher got up and you're turning, flipping around on the TV stations today and there's a preacher who came out and says, God wants to do good things for you up on the inside of us, on some of us, we would say, then why hasn't he done? And what have I done? What have I done? You see where you're messing with that authority principle? You see where you're... But it hasn't happened for... What have you done? I have hardened myself to the things, to the vehicles that God would speak revelation to me from. I've set myself up as my authority. Well, I know what's going on in my life better than God does. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Now, listen to him. If you hear somebody and they're saying something like, God desires good things for your life and your life is then there's, there's not a whole lot of good things going on in my life. I need to hear this one. How is God desiring good things for me? And I need to listen. And I need to come in with an attitude that says, Father God, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to listen to what you have to say. Because a whole lot of bad stuff can go on in this life to Christian people, to non-Christian people that God has not a hand in. 
God does not desire it to come about. If we had more time to spend on, the, on these plagues, we could expand on that. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, I thank you for the help that you give us in the things that we are experiencing, the things that we are walking through in our life. There are some situations that have not shaken free, we have not shaken free from. There are some bad things that seem to still be following after us. But your word is wisdom. And you can speak volumes in mere sentences. We need to hear the words that you have to say. Because it is your words that are the words of life. It is those words that shake us free from the hold of death, the curse, and evil things of this world. Help us, Father, to not reject authority that comes from you, but to submit ourselves to it and to be ready that when we see something in the word, we can change instantly. When we see it in the Word. Oh, if we just maintain that, that direction. Thank you for the help that you give us. Thank you for the help that you give us. With every head bowed, if you're here today and you got a situation and you need wisdom on it, hasn't come to you yet, you need wisdom, how to deal with it, how to get over it, how to shake it, whatever it might be, raise your hand up. Put that hand up, let God see that one. All right, good. Father God, you see these hands that are raised. I pray right now with them that the wisdom of God comes to them today. That you speak to them, if it's regarding their body, what they need to do. It's regarding their mind, what they need to believe. What principles need to guard them. It's regarding something in the spiritual realm. What armor is there at their disposal to help them? Speak to them, Father. And whatever it is that we are doing that is causing us to be dull, causing us to be hard and not to receive the things that God is speaking to us, identify them in our life. That we can get rid of them. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.